Namaste, my good people. My name is Kathy Patton. And my name is Reverend Odell Montgomery Cooper. We are your hosts for Interruptions, Disrupting the Silence. We welcome you to two remaining podcasts to promote the upcoming virtual production called Interruptions, Disrupting the Silence. It is scheduled to broadcast, we are so happy to say this, September, yes. September 5th and 6th, Labor Day weekend. Times are on Saturday and Sunday. We will have details on our next podcast on how you can secure your tickets and observe the show. Meanwhile, during these podcasts, Kathy and I will have real talk about the various topics discussed throughout the production that have interrupted our lives and probably yours. We have had honest reflections, discussions, debates, on the past episodes, we laughed at how we have been blindsided, bamboozled by our earlier beliefs and misconceptions of the American dream. The name of this podcast is depictive of what happened in my life in 2016. My family and I were happy. They were living a successful life. I was a mother of two children who had finally discovered their niche in life. And again, I could just finally breathe until one day in April when my son Coop became the casualty of, um, became another casualty of gun violence and was murdered by mistaken identity. That night began a four year journey of traumatic, of traumatic events. We have discussed how I finally acknowledged that I had PTSD, depression. I started drinking to mask the pain. I contemplated giving up living because the grief was too heavy to bear. I struggled with my cope and I struggled to cope with my faith and God's decision in terms of letting my son die. In addition to all of that, I suffered a brain aneurysm. Like most of us, I was home healing and then we have this pandemic. So in the last four years, I've learned much about myself and the importance of listening to my body. So it's important for me to share my journey and how I finally broke the silence on my inherited traditions, societal stigmas on mental health so that others could do the same. And I share the commonality of my life being interrupted was when my child was diagnosed with autism. Before we get started, I'm going to ask that you please press the like button and subscribe to our YouTube program. We welcome comments and questions, as you have heard in our past podcast. And lastly, we would ask that you please share our podcast with others, because someone you know may need to hear this. Thank you. So today's podcast is called, Who Wants to Talk About That? <laughs> uh, we had fun pulling this together. Um, who wants to talk about that? Who wants to talk about trauma, stress? depression, anxiety, COVID-19, I have addictions, post-traumatic slave syndrome. Yes, post-traumatic slave syndrome. Things that are happening in our lives, topics that we have been told don't talk about, just get through it, and this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. Today's podcast covers three to four scenes throughout the production and it actually deals with, I talk about myself in the third person here, of how my character is finally forced to recognize and accept 
the host of painful issues that she's been going through. She learns that her body and behaviors were clear indicators that something is wrong and she's been ignoring them both until one day she couldn't anymore. One of the observers of these behaviors in my life is our guest today. And she is a personal friend of Kathy and ours. We went to the same church and she is listed as a Lisa Anderson, Reverend Lisa Anderson. We call her Lisa for this podcast because that is our comfortability with her. So please, we would like to welcome to the platform, Reverend Lisa Anderson. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me this evening. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> this is when you go, what's up? I know, okay. right? <laughs> so it's been a while. It has been. It has it been. Has. It's so great to see you. I can't tell you that Thank we you. were so excited about having you come on. We were having a lot of fun putting this one together. We yeah, said, oh, yeah. she, mm-hmm. she knows exactly what to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, Lisa, I just want to share with you that in our last podcast, we were, uh, last week we had the attorney and the officer that actually were involved in the case. And prior to that, we've been talking a lot of, a lot of information, and we shared that in our community, there's a hesitance of people, um, our people talking about issues and problems that are within our home because of our la- our past African-American culture, our history. And Mm -hmm. so we grew up with that mantra, whatever happens in this house stays in this house. house. And so we actually are talking about uh, how that's impacted us today with internal stresses and trauma, and which really led us to this podcast, Who Wants to Talk About That? So, Lisa, I, I see your face. I know your faces. <laughs> so, can you just share a little bit about yourself and really what's prompted you to share the stories of our ancestors in your writings? Oh, a little bit about me. I'm a mom of two adults, a grandma of one. I um, am a teacher by proclivity not by profession. I am uh, the first black female firefighter in the city of Newport. Uh, Since retired, the only female at the time um, that was promoted to an officer. Um, In my lifetime, I've sang, I've danced. I was in the Miss Black America pageant. I've always been involved in community. Um, I attended Hartford Seminary's BMP program. I'm a preacher ordained. Uh, I do preach and teach still. I, uh, let's see. Miss Black America Candace, I did not know that, but we will talk about that offline. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. Oh, boy. (laughs) You should have never told us that. Told you that one. They say Google. (laughs) Google, exactly, exactly. But tell us about Emergent Voices. So Emergent Voices Production Company is my my baby. Um, Started in 2017. 
um, out of a desire for me to want to uh, spread out uh, from the work that I was doing at Mount Airy Baptist Church. And so uh, I, the best way to, to incorporate something that you don't see is to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that it was time to leave a legacy for my family and, um, and my granddaughter in particular. And so I branched out, uh, just further spread my wings with Emerging Voices production. Uh, its subtitle is Page to Stage Theater. Um, I believe that uh, all of my writings and my work deal with historical context uh, and current day construct to bring about conscious theater. That is what I do. Mm-hmm. So what it, what is it, so, why is it so important for you to share the stories of our ancestors? Because as I shared with you, and Odell and I really have, have hammered this home a little bit, talking about it is a reluctance of our community to talk about things that happen in our household, even though it's, it's really important to Odell and I to be sharing our stories. Mm-hmm. And because we believe that by doing so, that we'll be helping other people. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not that it's easy stories for us to share, but it's important to us because we know where we've come from. Right. Uh, why, why is it important for you to share the stories, especially of our, our ancestors, but also why do you think it is that we have that reluctance of talking about things that's happened in our past? Well, the first thing, uh, the reason that it is important to share our stories is because, as Carter G. Woodson once said, if it's never known that you've contributed anything to society, they will think that you have never had anything to say, nor to share. So it's important for us uh, to, one, allow the world to understand that we have contributed and we are contributors. And uh, two, it's important that we tell our own stories so that other people don't get to depict from their position what your story is and when it started. Mm -hmm. Um, The third thing is is that we have a reluctancy uh, just spoofed in in old traditions uh, slave traditions to hide. You know, when you was dealing with Massa, you always had to go and hide. And you, you, even amongst our own people, there became a level of who you could trust. And so um, when you take the combination of hiding because, you know, it could cost you your life, who you can trust, it could cost you your life. These things, uh, stories, some of them just very horrific that we have not shared with people because of of societal uh, stigmas and conformities and and we don't want to be perceived a particular type of way, kind of way, and based on what you were told you are, you have a tendency to, to not want to indulge in telling stories and yet they are the best thing that we could do for ourselves, our children and for society. Right, right. I think there's an, um, I know uh, there's a song in Hamilton that really kind of sticks with me about who's going to share your story, right? right. And right. so if we don't tell our own story, That's so right. yeah, yeah, you thank have you. To tell them. You have to tell it. So yeah. Odell, um, I know for you, it, for your heart, 
it felt like an obvious choice to select Lisa, <laughs> right? To help share your story. But tell me, tell me the process you went through. And you know, I, I wanna I wanna know what I really wanna know what she said when you first asked her. <laughs> Um, oh but I, <laughs> I also, um, I know that even to share your story was hard to even think about sharing it. And then what process did you go through to, did you practice? Like, how am I going to ask her to do this for me? Or just tell me the process and, and why Lisa? Um, that's an easy one. So as you all know, the story is, uh, I met Jonathan Berryman at a political fundraiser. And he's the one that convinced me to tell my story. And before I left, he, before we left the cookout, he made me call people. And he says, but you know people who can do this. And he recommended Alita Staten. It's like, okay, yes. I knew I had Jonathan from music and every other support. But then when I thought about who do I give my heart to and my children's story, who can I trust to tell the insides of my story and who wasn't going to judge me? And it was, it, it was, it was a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. I, I, I called her as I was walking home and I said, I have to ask you. I said, I know you're busy. I know you have projects going on with Emerging Voices. I said, but there isn't any way that I could begin this project and not ask you. I said, you can tell me no, but I have to ask you. And I said, I don't want you finding out that I'm doing this and have never asked you. Um, but for me, it was someone that I could trust. I could trust her with my story. Mm -hmm. My children love her. <laughs> um, Jackie, at, when John died, she wouldn't talk to anybody but Reverend Anderson. Mm -hmm. And when John, when my son Coop was working for the church, he's like, oh, I'm going to work audio because I know Reverend Anderson's going to be there. So I'm, I know that I'm going to be okay. And it was letting someone not just tell my story, but I had to give someone a mirror into my traumatic journey. Mm -hmm. And all the darkness, all the secrets that I've kept, I now needed to share. How transparent was I really going to be? And that was difficult. And I wanted someone who wasn't going to judge me. And the only time Lisa judges me is when it's a rainy day and I'm driving. <laughs> you know, <laughs> other, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, other and, than and, that. And, and, I, and I don't judge you. I just know that she can't drive in the rain. So mm -hmm. it's like. If it's raining, don't allow her to choose where you're going to go eat. Don't, as a matter of fact, just stay home. Just stay home. Order <laughs> in, home. right? I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So it was, it was, for me, it was, it was a no-brainer. It was a matter of trust. And I, and I asked her to. Um, I remember her saying, yes, I'm busy. I have some projects going on. Let's talk about a timeline. She says, I know if I tell you no, you're going to be calling me every day anyway. <laughs> So she said, let's talk about it. Let's talk about a timeline. And uh, I think in two weeks, myself, her, and Jonathan Berryman were sitting in my living room. We were having conversations mm -hmm. about interruptions. So Lisa, when I, when I witnessed the reading 
on online. Um, you know, I, I I was just surprised when I got the invitation. I shared with Odell. I said, I know you talked about this, and then all of a sudden, I'm getting an invitation. Um, but and not knowing what to expect, I know mm -hmm. that Odell's very honest and open, and clearly, I know you are. Um, and so when I was sitting there, mm -hmm. but there were parts that then got to the 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 traumatic loss of her son. And I remember popping up like, oh my God, I can't believe that she's doing this. Not that it, it, I trusted that she was doing this, but my heart started breaking all over again. And, you know, Scylla, I, I got on my phone and started texting her like, are you okay? Like she was going to answer me because she's in the <laughs> middle of the reading, right? But that's the first thing I thought about doing. So for you, when you heard her say to you, this is something I want to do, I want you to tell this story, what was your initial reaction? And, and did you have questions about that? Um, so my initial reaction was, and she told you the truth, I was like, if I tell you no, you're just not gonna stop me. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna keep asking me. So, um, one of the things that I, I just really believe that Odell and I, um, that somehow God ordained us to be friends. Um, my initial encounter with Odell was a question that I asked her and I told her, I had to pray about how she, her, her position in the church and, and whether I was gonna be okay with that. And um, and so when I asked her for her permission to befriend her, it was just out of a sincerity of wanting to get to know her as a person, her and her children, and and to be authentic with her at all times. Um, I remember when when Odell called me the night Jonathan passed away. And I remember being awakened out of my sleep. And I remember this screeching on the phone and I had to like get my bearings together and uh, say, wait a minute, what, what, what did you say? What are you talking about? And, um, and from that moment on, things were, were, they were different for her, for us um for her family and um and sometimes you don't know what to say so you say nothing you just mm -hmm. there i think sometimes silence is golden because people just need to know that you're there mm -hmm. you occupy the space with them and you allow them to grieve however that looks and you don't have all the answers and so and taking on this project, which has been a year and a half in the making, um, I was very uh, hesitant, mm -hmm. particularly when you write a piece and I would have to come back and read it to her. I would be like, Lord, okay, how <laughs> do <laughs> Because you, you're bringing up these Personal. memories and you're, mm -hmm. you're digging you're not only bringing up stuff on the surface, you're really digging. And one of the things that I think just from, from my, my offer days is that I don't like leaving people broken. And okay. so um, it was important to me to always leave Odell in a good space, to leave her whole, 
um, not to, to tear off scabs and then just go, okay, I'll see you later. I'll see you the next time. Um, so it was a very gentle uh, process to, to go through. So that's the process that you went through yes. with her. Yeah. How about you? Because this is different. I remember um, when you did the Ma'afas, that you always shared that you kept a journal by your bed because mm -hmm. sometimes you would get messages in the night or you would have a dream or you would have a thought. And so you kept the journal by your bed so you could get up and write that down. I still but, keep and you journal. still do so I that, do. yeah, that's yeah. So, but I guess I'm, I'm trying to compare because those are stories of people that are, well, I mean, you bring everything up to current events. I understand that. But when I look at it, I'm talking about when you're writing stories of our ancestors. But this yeah. is someone that you knew. Yeah. And it, it's not easy. It's, it, not it's, it's just not an easy task. Um, now, I directed a play the previous year for another young lady who had lost her dad. In that instance, she wrote her own story. I read through it, helped her work her way through it, and then I directed it for her. And uh, with Odell, it was very different because now she was asking me to write something. Mm -hmm. and when you write for a person who's going through something and they remember the details, it, it, it's, it's a tedious and a challenging, it becomes challenging. Because there are some things that I'm like, well, I, I don't, this is a production. And so for me, mm -hmm. there's this line about telling every detail. You don't want to tell every detail. You leave right. some things to the imagination. And then I would sometimes get my script back and, and I would see all this other stuff. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> what? This. Oh, that was that you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, what is this? What are you doing? You know, so um, at some point, you, yes. you know, it, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. Right. It's not easy no. writing for someone, you know, yeah. um, and, and they have a say, you know, although on the one hand, um, this is a production. On the other hand, it's her real story. It's right. her life story. So you can't say to her what she can't do or what she can't have. Um, you know, you can try <laughs> to curtail it, but, but it was one of those things. I'd turn around and I would get some paper back and, and she'd go, oh, I, I wrote a thing. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, really? Right? Oh, <laughs> what, was like, what, was, what was interesting is while we were at the house, um, my daughter said that she had a hands-off. Um, you all do what you have to. And she was hovering in the background. Remember, mm -hmm. Lisa? Yeah. She was hovering. Yeah. And if I said something that wasn't accurate because I couldn't remember because of the brain aneurysm, she would jump in the room. Oh, that's not accurate. Reverend Anderson, let me tell you what really happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she says, if you're going to tell my brother's story, yeah. this is how you tell the story. And I had to back up. And mm -hmm. my mother didn't do this. She didn't say this. Mm -hmm. She did this. Mm -hmm. um, and then when it was time for Jackie to share her story, I had to leave the house. Yeah. 
she said, you can't be here when I tell my story. And she wanted to tell not just her story, but things she remembered about me that I did that I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And I had to leave it alone. So I, I trust Lisa. I said, anything in there I need to take out? <laughs> she said. <laughs> no, they, they were very gentle, um, but, but very protective of Coop, you know? Yeah. And so there were things, you know, there are things that our children do that, that no mother should have to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's another production, I think. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so they were very protective of that and they didn't mm -hmm. want her to hear. They, they didn't even want to deal with the shock factor. Like, what are you saying? You know? So <laughs> they were like, you got to leave. So, mm -hmm. So I, they, I I had to they, leave. she had to leave and, and we sat and we, uh, you know, I interviewed them and they talked and I sat down and took my notes and, and we just did what we needed to do to, to get their perspective as well. Um, their hurts, their pains, uh, their memories, good, bad, and indifferent to include in the story. So Lisa, what's the difference for you between, um, interruptions mm -hmm. and your other productions and from emerging voices from my offer what's what's the difference for you in these type of in this production um I, I don't know that there I mean stories can can be different but at the core of who I am the the, the element of truth is always there and I'm just going to always be that person to deal with the element of truth Mm -hmm. And for Odell, her story and how it's linked to historical trauma, that's my baby, historical trauma. I love, um, I think it's important for us to know the stories. There's so many stories, we would never know them all. But there is a, a commonality among African-Americans uh, and all of the diaspora, but in particularly for the African-American, I, I find this need because we have been so misperceived uh, and judged uh, in propaganda um, against us as a people all around the world. And people forget that, um, oh, people do forget. So Odell's story, um, you know, for John to have had died that kind of a death, he didn't deserve that. That wasn't who he was. Mm -hmm. It wasn't what he was involved in. And for her to have done everything she thought was in her power to give her son an opportunity to live, only to come back home and be a victim of, of such nonsense, uh, that we get into, you know, we, we want to talk about Black Lives Matter. That's right. Uh, and yet Talks within our that. own community, do they matter? And who gets to say they matter? And if they matter, you know, uh, how, do we, how do we talk about this? And, and so for me, her story and Emerging Voices Production Company, I think they're one in the same again, just on different levels and different layers, but it's a root to our story. There's a root to gun violence. There's a root to uh, police brutality and murders. There's a root to this thing. And unless we, we get at the root of this, mm -hmm. 
It's just always going to plague our community. And it doesn't have a name, a face. It, it can happen at any moment, time. It's but by the grace of God, literally, but by the grace of God, there goes I. There it goes. And so one of the pieces that, um, <clears throat> Belisa, I have for you is I remember when you, you when the three of us would be at the house and there were days where I had to watch my granddaughter and she was just hovering around and she, I wanted her to see that we were writing Uncle Coop's story. I wanted her to remember when she gets older, I remember my grandmother sitting at the table writing this, the, the team writing this. I want her to remember that. But you were very careful about language. Certain stories you didn't want to talk or ask me in front of Maya. There are certain words you didn't want to use. And I, when I asked you, because I was reading something and you would give me the look, and you were saying that you wanted to not transfer trauma down to my granddaughter. Generational trauma was what you called it. Yeah. And it was another word that you used because you said, if you start using this word, if you start doing this, she's going to absorb it. And mm -hmm. it's going to come out in her, her, her behaviors unknowingly. Mm -hmm. um, so how, how conscious, I mean, I know you was conscious for her, but were you also, where else did you recognize generational trauma in my story? Uh, you know, when, when you, for you, um, again, how, how you managed to deal with your children um, and in the independence of it was a part of how you grew up. Um, the being able to travel, the being able to, to kind of stretch out on your own and make certain decisions, probably at a younger age than most. Um, the fact that uh, when we think about the story in and of itself, uh, and in particularly with Maya, with Jackie, um, here you have now a mom, a daughter, and a granddaughter. And uh, for the granddaughter to, to not know how to articulate what she feels, right? Vicarious trauma. Because yes. that's what happens even when it, it doesn't even, it can be, uh, um, you know, in family households, just the argument, right? Mm. And in the argument, the kid picks up, you know, there's these vibes going on. Do I say something? Do I not say something? You know, when we was growing yes. up, you say something, you get popped <laughs> in the mouth. <laughs> Real fast. Real fast. That's a reality. But, mm -hmm. you know, for as much as, as we can laugh about that now, and, and for as much as people would say, you know, that was child abuse, let me tell you something compared to what our children are going through today, yeah. our parents may not have known how to do it any different because that's what was done to them, right? Yes. But it saved us. Mm -hmm. It saved yes. us. Mm -hmm. There's so many children. I've watched, I've watched young men die 
and had to be funeralized and watch their children act out and and everybody's in their own little bubbles and nobody sees the kid yes you understand so that who addresses their trauma this thing goes so so much deeper than just the loss of someone there are young men who are out on the street struggling because that trauma of losing a friend right Yes. is never addressed. You know, I, I think about my own son and I say, you know, probably when he was 15 years old and I believe uh, we were doing our first Ma'afa and Clive's uh, younger brother was murdered that first night. Mm -hmm. We did the show mm -hmm. and that was my son's best friend. And to have lived his life in fear um, and, and, and anxiety um, and never treated. It leads to a life of um, self-medicating um, and destruction. And we don't, we don't address those things. No, nobody, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, the gun violence has to stop. Mm -hmm. But you have to be able to address uh, the root of all of this, which goes Un, it goes unaddressed like forever forever you're right um when we were i remember sitting at the table and we were having this conversation and then we added us a, a piece into the scene about my granddaughter yeah. um so she loved her uncle coop who lived in new york came home she was so happy Saturday morning, we were going to, I was going to make pancakes for the family. Well, for her, there's no Saturday morning with Uncle Coop. Instead, she, we're all crying. They were tense. Uncle Coop is gone. And there's a household of, of people that she has never seen before mm -hmm. coming and going. And this is her world for the next three weeks. Mm -hmm. But she's like, where's Uncle Coop? And mm -hmm. every time she says that, it's a trigger for us and mm -hmm. we don't know what to say to her. Mm -hmm. So she lives with Jackie and I for a year of going through our trauma, trying to hide it from her, but she's feeling it. Mm -hmm. and, and as she was going to school, she would come see me every morning, give me a kiss and come home from school, come up the stairs, give me a kiss. So when I had the brain aneurysm, that was interrupted for her. Mm -hmm. She would come home from school and I wasn't there. Right. Our Friday night uh, tea parties and pajama parties were gone for mm -hmm. three weeks. So when I was released from the hospital, Jackie told me that she was, the school made her pick up our, her grant, pick up Maya from school because she was misbehaving. Right. She was not listening. She wasn't the same kid. She, they've had her for two years. This was not the same kid they had in the program. They didn't know who she was. She was, you know, didn't listen, didn't want to read, didn't want to do anything. So Jackie mm -hmm. had to get her at 12 o'clock. And then because knowing Lisa, knowing the Ma'afa, I knew exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. And we called the school. I called the school the next day and had a conversation with them and explained to them about my son's murder. Explained to them at a brain aneurysm. They almost died on his birthday. 
and she's been sensing and feeling all of this and her world's been interrupted and they under, then they understood right and i was very careful about saying please make sure you change her notes that she's not these school notes don't follow her as being right. disruptive misbehaving right, right. someone's always going to look back at those school notes that's right and say something and i wanted the school notes corrected and i wanted to read them and that's mm -hmm. exactly what calvin hill did yeah they worked with us they understood what was going mm -hmm. on and then so that christmas i made sure that i spent time with my granddaughter she had you know I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. And by the time she returned to school after the Christmas holiday, she was herself. Yeah, um, and that's important. Um, and, and we have to advocate for those that have no voice. Yes. It's just real important to advocate for them um, because that is what happens, the acting out, you know? Yes. Um, and as adults, we act out. Right. Um, but our acting out turns into the form of whether it's drinking or being angry or taking someone's yes. head or, you know, all of those kind of things. Children are a little different and they're a lot more resilient than we give them credit for. Correct. Mm -hmm. You're right. We, we act out. I was, I was started drinking. Um, and when you see the production, uh, Lisa is one of the five angels who has a very key role in my life, and I'm not saying what it is. You have to see the production. Um, but she has a major role in my healing story. And so she's depicted as a one of the five angels. And you'll hear more about how she helped me. Uh, she was also the one that, I, I have to tell the story, Lisa. I, you know, she was, Boy, allowed me to call her. <laughs> Look at her face. She said, oh no. <laughs> What is she gonna say? She was there for me, like you said, just to be present. And there was one morning I called Lisa and she said, Odell, you're killing me. <laughs> and you think I would have compassion and go, I'm sorry. Mm -mm. Uh, and no. I said, I don't care. I said, get prayed up. Um, I don't care that I'm killing you. You're you're a minister, you're my friend, get prayed up. Mm -hmm. Go restore yourself, and because I'm coming back tomorrow. And she had to pull in Reverend Nancy Kingwood to the fold to. Um, <laughs> I needed help. <laughs> I needed help. You no, know, that's funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yes. But, Salisa, when we have, now that we have this team, this wonderful cast. And we were looking at the cast. Uh, two of them are from Yale Divinity, Yale Divinity School, Yale, Yale Dramas, yeah. um, Yale Drama School. Yes. Another one lives in the community. Yes. And based on their ethnicity, their age, um, you know, we knew that they had experienced mm -hmm. having someone that they knew die. Yes. And one of the things that I, I, I know you, that how have you been, how have you been helping the cast retell a story that could also be personal to them? Um, every rehearsal, first thing we do is we start out in prayer. We don't do anything before praying. Um, I had to get their permission to find out where they were with that because of course I don't want to 
uh, superimpose myself on anyone, but I believe that prayer is a key, right? Uh, number two, um, one of the things that I've told them is most times people, people don't get the help they need mm-hmm. when they're dealing with their own stuff. Yes. So as you're going through this production, um, use it to gain some healing. Mm-hmm. So when we're, we're in rehearsal, it's about get your healing. Get your healing. It's almost like going to church. Church is the only place you can go and scream and people just kind of look at you and go, yeah, okay. You know, but you can do it and get away mm-hmm. with it. You, there, there's yes. not many places you can go and release that tension because as we know, when you hold all that stress in, it will show up in a different way. Yes. So it's important to be able to release your stresses. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's I'm I've been around both of you for quite some time now. And um the story that you just told uh, Odell about your granddaughter and Lisa, you talking about generational trauma. When you did um the Ma for Lisa, you created uh like a pamphlet to mm-hmm. share with parents that um, if they recognized these signs mm-hmm. in, in either themselves or their child, mm-hmm. this is what you should do. Now, initially, you know, there's those that would say, oh, this is satanic. And so right. um, why is she saying that? And so it's not, I think you, you did an awesome job of sharing that this is not satanic. This is what will happen because someone is trying to tell their story and they don't want these stories told, right? Not always. And so what, what made you create that booklet and do you still use that? Because I I, I will share with you even kind of because being the administrator, right? I, you know, Mm -hmm. tickets and getting everybody there and, you know, and I heard you, it's not that I wasn't listening. I heard exactly what you were saying and Odell is there and I, and I heard you, but honestly, there was a time that even, and I like folded the booklets, right? And so, (laughs) and I read them, but it happened to me and it wasn't until I came out of it that I realized what happened to Mm. me. There was a time period when I was hanging up the pictures and things that, you know, uh, past traumas and, and the hangings and Martin mm-hmm. Luther King. And, Mel- mm-hmm. and, I, and as I was doing it, I was exhausted, but I was thinking, oh, I'm just tired, you know? Mm-hmm. But every time I hung a picture, I felt it. There was mm-hmm. a time when we used to have the schools come mm-hmm. and there was a teacher, I would send off the buses and thank them for coming. Mm-hmm. And there was a teacher that she held my hand and as she held my hand, I felt drained. Mm. Like the energy was coming Mm -hmm. out of my body. And then by the next day, again, just thinking I'm tired, right? And then the next day I go into church and, you know, we have the whole cast around the front of the church and we're holding hands and, um, and, you know, pastor is praying for us. And and one of the deacons said to me, what is going on with you? I said, what are you talking about? He said, you can't feel that. He said, I feel that all coming through you. I said, oh my God, Mm. that's when... Mm. I recognized it and it wasn't, and, but I was there with you. I heard you, I heard your teachings and Mm -hmm. I just, so, and you're saying, "Uh uh-huh, see, (laughs) right. But so 
something drove you to write that booklet and do you still use it now? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I was trying to find, and I do have a copy of it. Um, I don't use it per se um, as in handing it out because I believe it's something that belongs to Mount Airy Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. So I don't use it in that way. Um, but I do uh, allow every cast member to know that there will be things that they are going to experience. And these are the signs. And if you should have them, I need to know about them sooner than later. Because a lot of times people think, you know, the, the whole idea of, of the spirit of, of someone in your lineage rising up in you. And I can remember years ago when we first got started, mm -hmm. For me, my offer is a gift. And what I've been given is a gift. Because I didn't go to school for it. I didn't learn it uh, that way. To be able to tell someone about cellular memory, and it's now called epigenetics, and it's a real thing, and it does happen, uh, that, that our DNA and, and, and how it's created and what's been passed on through actions of people that has uh, altered our DNA. Um, and you don't, unless you stop to really realize what's happening, um, you, don't, you don't recognize it. Um, I yes. always say that it depends uh, the, that you will encounter people, places, or things that will shake yourselves to, to either give you a deja vu moment. There are moments that'll happen where you can feel like you've been someplace before mm -hmm. that you've never been, um, yes. that you know people that you know in yourself, you've never met them, but that you, you, you feel like this is so familiar. Um, my best two explanations are um, the experiment with gnats, which, uh, you know, if you put a gnat, a gnat has the natural ability to jump 24 inches high. Um, if you put a gnat in a jar, put the lid on it, it'll only jump as high as the lid. You take that gnat and uh, mate it with a gnat who has that natural ability, its offsprings will only jump. The, as high as the lid, hmm. right? Hmm. Then there's this other thing that I say to people that really brings it home is why is it, I don't even go, do you ever feel? I go, why is it when a police officer pulls up behind you, you get nervous? Yeah. What do you think that is? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Those are cells that are vibrating because we, we carry our, the lineage of our ancestorship. We do. Right. Yeah. It's in our DNA. It's passed on from generation to generation. So, so we carry that. There yes. are good things. There are negative things. You know, we have positives and negatives. We all do. And the thing about my alpha that I, I always hoped people would understand it's not just for black people. Slavery has impacted 
everybody. Right. Everybody had a part. Everybody suffers some type of weight. Um, and so when we look at what's going on in society today, um, particularly right now in the times that we're living in, we're in the midst of a dual pandemic. And, and this whole idea that people won't stop to take a look at the history. What, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. You suffered something too. You suffered yes. a loss um, at the hands of your ancestors being on the other side of that whip. Mm -hmm. You suffered something too. And so unless we, we come to grips with all of this and discover that, um, and, and wrestle with that. There are some things that we all just need to wrestle with. Um, most of all, with the ability to show empathy. Mm -hmm. No empathy, no hope. When we cannot bear, the, the, the scripture says that we should be able to bear the infirmities of each other our joys, our pains, our grieving, our, that was my thing for Odell. Being able to share in her affirmities, infirmities that she was grieving. And even if I could do nothing but have tears with her, God was pleased because when God is, is pleased, then we all have a reason to be pleased. When he mourns because he sees what's going on in the world, it should be enough for all of us to mourn. We're not islands. We cannot do this thing by ourselves. And no. we just really have to get it together and mm -hmm. understand beyond this skin, beyond this nonsense of white supremacy, that, that God is greater than that. And in all of humanity, right? There, we have more things in common than we do have differences. Yes. You know, for, for both of you, Lisa, you said something yes. really key that we have to understand the root of where all of this came from because it is gun violence. And so what Coop was shot by another black man. And we talked about it last week that because it wasn't sensationalized of a white police officer shooting him and killing him, that it doesn't get as much attention because right. it was another black man that shot him. But when we talk about Black Lives Matter, we're talking to everybody. So yes. it's not okay for you to yourself being a black man to have taken another black man's life. And right. so that's, that's, not. that's not okay. And, no. and so you talk about understanding the root and that's where the study comes in. We have to know that you, you picked up a gun and, and you destroyed someone else, so many people's lives mm -hmm. based on what? And, based on what? And you destroyed your own. Yes. And that, that is that, that juxtaposition that people just don't understand that while you think you got back at somebody, most times you're, you, you get the wrong person. Right. Most times. Mm -hmm. We got innocent children who are innocent bystanders yeah. who are being murdered because of what? Because you were trying to get the other guy mm -hmm. that you missed. You know, the, the craziness in, in, in all of this and, you know, the whole uh, mission 
mischief of of the country, you know, from the leader on down. The leadership is leadership is off. Yes. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> you know, one of the things that we were talking about, um, you know, we was talking about COVID, right, Kathy? Yes. Yes. We yeah. Because I wanted to ask both of you, how has COVID-19 interrupted um, the production, <laughs> right? Other than, <laughs> other than not going yeah. to the theater, but really for both of you, how has COVID-19 interrupted the production? I feel like this podcast could have been two, three hours, but I know. Yeah. <laughs> we can but, just, just talk. Yeah. I'll give a short, brief one. Um, originally, we were supposed to have a stage production at the end of August. And that was what our funding, our focus was for to film there. Then when COVID happened, um, grant funding stopped because um, there was an immediate need to feed mm-hmm. people, which we understood. People yeah. needed food, food, light, mm-hmm. gas. They they needed those basic those basic needs. So um, funding stopped. The stage disappeared. City shut down, um, and we had to regroup. We talked as a team and said, "Then what do we do? Mm-hmm. And is this still a story that we want to tell this year?" or do we want to tell it next year? And prayed for two days, and God said, you tell the story this year. Because even though your story is gun violence, um, this pandemic, it's still depression, stress, um, alcoholism, domestic violence, everything that you're talking about that no one wants to talk about, it's going to be layered. Um, someone actually told us to take out gun violence. Remember that, Lisa? Yeah. Someone said, play down urban trauma. And you said, no, we're not, we're not playing down urban trauma. We're leaving it in there. But we had to rewrite, we had to, Lisa had to rewrite the script. We, you know, there, no one's hugging anyone, (laughs) you know, and we have voiceovers of people coming in. And it was, and it's, it's COVID-19 gave us it even more important to tell because it became another layer of trauma. Right. And right. I knew in my heart that if we don't tell this, we don't tell this story now. And if we don't talk about what we're already going through, we could virtually, we could die. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a physical and spiritual death. And I say that not to be so hard on people is that I didn't listen to my body when I was going through the stress. I didn't Mm -hmm. talk about it for me. And then having the brain aneurysm was a result of not listening to my body in stress, not really doing what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And this COVID, it interrupted us, but it also empowered us to keep going and to tell yeah. the story. And then in the midst, George Floyd happens, and then people want to hear gun violence. <laughs> so it's, we, yeah. Lisa, Lisa said, we're staying true to the story. Let's stay true yeah. to the story. We cannot alter the story for the time. And believe it or not, the time has uplifted this story. And yeah. more timely than not, because now they're like COVID-19 and counseling 
and people have to talk about it. You have right. to talk about this. So everything that we're talking about, you know, COVID-19, it's important because yeah. of COVID. Yeah, COVID-19, uh, we, we have to, like, we're rehearsing. Our rehearsals are on Zoom, which for me is a totally, like, Lord, help me, you know? Uh, but, That's funny. but we're getting through it, you know? <laughs> we're getting through it very different. Uh, but the thing about COVID-19 and Odell's story is that COVID is all throughout the story. Mm-hmm. It matches the story. And, um, and I don't know why. Sometimes I think that this is a favor of God that um, in the midst thereof, it almost seems like I get the opportunity to tell timely prophetic stories. They're just timely prophetic stories. And, and so COVID, you know, when you think about Jonathan, uh, when, when John got shot, he died alone. People are dying alone. When you think of COVID and George Floyd, I can't breathe. I'm on a mm-hmm. ventilator. I can't breathe. Yes. This mm-hmm. dualism that, that we're living in, um, and, and sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't, sometimes we get it, sometimes we won't, but, but the message that the earth that, that we just all need to be still. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. We need to be still and have reflective moments. Mm-hmm. Yes. And every aspect of COVID, job loss, yeah. um, anxiety, yeah. depression, oh, it's up. The, detachment from relationships, everything yeah. that we identified in the production that was my story. And yeah. it, it was my story before COVID. Right. And COVID begin to say, oh, people are losing their jobs. Oh, people are having stresses. People right. have anxiety. Mm-hmm. And now you see conversations right. people that- People are drinking. People are, are yeah, so. Yes, it, they're it doing mimics. all of it. Yeah, so the story mimics uh, COVID happened, but it, it really does tie into the story very well. And the importance of African-Americans, people of color, going for counseling, going for help, saying I yes. need help yes. and not holding this in. I went to see my doctor today and you know, she says, I always ask my patients, how are they doing? She says, during COVID, she says, because if you're not doing well during COVID, she says, it's going to manifest itself in your health. Mm-hmm. And she says, and you Odell, I definitely want to check in with you because of your health. So how are you doing? And I appreciated that. And mm-hmm. she's absolutely correct. And we need to, t- I'll keep telling the story over and over. It will manifest itself in our health. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know was brain aneurysms are hereditary. I did mm-hmm. not know that until I'm in this journey of learning. And I learned that it's hereditary. And my doctor said, I want to make sure that, you know, your daughter records it on her medical health records, your granddaughter records it on hers so that they monitor them and they get the tests that they need. So I don't have my, my, both my parents are deceased. Um, I know my mother, my grandmother's history in terms of, you know, I, you know, 
I know that lineage, mm -hmm. but I don't know if, if anyone had a brain aneurysm. That's a lie that can tell me. So we're thinking it's from my father's side and my two brothers from my father's side, I needed to tell them to tell their kids, you know, it's hereditary. So you need to check it off on that box, you know, who, what's your history? So that w tell the story mm -hmm. as tell the story. I remember sharing with one of my friends, because that's funny you said that. I was sharing with one of my good friends. I was saying, you know, people don't sit on porches anymore. And the reason I said that, um, because I remember sitting on the porch with my great grandmother, my grandmother, my aunts, and you shared stories. Yes. So you knew the health issue of everyone. Yes. You knew you knew everything going on in the neighborhood because yes. <laughs> you yes. know you had people walk by and stop and say, "Oh, well, Miss Kathy uh, was taken ill," or um, you know, you shared stories. And so I shared that with someone to say, "We just don't sit on porches anymore because that's when you learned about things. Yes, right. you learned yeah. about your history, your right. family history, your health, right. everything. And we don't take opportunity to do mm -hmm. that." Now yeah. you're finding in a, a text message or on social media if you want to know about someone's health. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know, but yeah. you're right, we don't share. We don't share. Right. Um, so yes, that's, that's important. But Kathy, we have a question for you. Um, we, we, we talk about, you know, your daughter and autism and, you know, we're longer in COVID than any of us thought that we would be. What other um, interruptions have happened seeing you're in a longer period of dealing with uh, COVID-19 at home? You know, when I, I guess when I say interruptions, initially it was an interruption in, in my life um, because I didn't know directions to take. And now I know I've learned the directions to take. As a matter of fact, I know that one of one of how we got Lisa on on our story was I shared with her that um, my daughter said Teal said that, <laughs> and as soon as I say her name, Lisa melts. And so it's like, okay, 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 don't put the baby up. <laughs> Although she's not a baby anymore, but no. I think the interruptions for me shifted in that the interruptions now are trying to get. Um, be an advocate for her and other mm -hmm. children like mm -hmm. her and that we are still in this time in this age struggling to get a seat at the table mm. because when you're making a decision about even getting them back into their programs and transitioning them back into their schools for me to have to ask to have a seat at the table. We're not asked questions. I received a wonderful letter from a, a big state agency, oh, and, we, and talking with parents and working with experts. And I contacted this particular commissioner to say, you know, it's funny that you would say that. I appreciate the letter, but I've never been asked as a parent. I've never been asked yes. a question. And she's been in the system for quite some time. So um, I'm struggling with that right now. I even contacted our local senator to try and see how do we become part of this conversation because no one should be making a decision um, for because our children are different. We don't talk about things that are happening in our household. And so we need to have a diverse table 
when these decisions are being made. And, and it's, mm, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, it's go ahead. that you would say that because again, here goes institutionalized racism at work. Yes. And what people don't get yes. is all children, right? But you're not thinking about all children. You're thinking about your children. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and if you happen to come along, you know, okay. But, mm-hmm. but it, it's that thing that says we have to stop and think about what does the table look like? And if it looks like all of you and none of nobody else, then, then you know, how do we break that down to say, you got you have to be inclusive of everyone right yes you just have to be because to not be inclusive of everyone then here we go back to this thing that we've been talking about all along that you want to say is a figment of our imagination mm-hmm. and it's not it's correct it is not and thank you it is it is not it's not and um and thank god for parents like you Kathy who who advocate who advocate for your for your daughter, um, because till till I had the the honor of presiding over a funeral on Monday, and the reason why I called it an honor was because the young man uh, lived to be fifty two years old. He has cerebral palsy. Um, but in my reading the scripture and studying and, and thinking about the joy that this mm. young man brought to his family, how he was a part of the family, what he brought to the family, what he leaves them with as a legacy that, that I believe they're here for us. Yes. We're not here for them. Mm -hmm. They're here to make us better people. They're they're here to to help us stop and look because if they can do it, if they can be happy and joyous Mm -hmm. in the midst of everything that's going on, then for us, we gotta do better, Mm -hmm. right? And they are a reminder of that. So, Till's my girl. <laughs> That's my girl, boy. Let me tell you, she, she when when we were we were sitting at Kathy's house and we were talking about guests. She says, "Oh, we need Lisa." I said, "I can't ask Lisa." I said, "I know she's doing the script. I can't ask." I said, "Call her, call her." I'll tell her. Till said, and I'm like, "I have anything to do with yeah, you been told on." But yes. Miss Hill always challenges us to uh, make sure we, we end on a happy laughing note. Yes, yes. So um, one, we, we thank you for being on. I thank you for telling my story. Um, me allow you allowing me to be to give you the inside to my darkness and for you to find the words to shine the light on it and mm. to help others to know that they too, even though we have a limp we can still walk and how we decide to walk will be different for everyone. That's right. Um, So we have a a question, Kathy, I have to ask you, how do you remember how you met Reverend Anderson? I sure do. 
I do. I remember as if you see, she can't remember. She was my Sunday school teacher in a class where I was the only one. <laughs> and, um, and she was an awesome teacher, but I remember going to the class and she gave me homework. And I'm like, but I'm the only one in the class. Why do we got to do homework? <laughs> Can't we just talk about it now? Like, <laughs> I'm the only one here. We got time. <laughs> but I love, love, I mean, I, and I made sure that I did my homework because I knew, I mean, she obviously knew what she was talking about, but I made sure, but she, it, her, her interaction with me was not judgmental. Like, Oh yeah, no, you got that completely wrong. Right. But it was that Never she, is. yes, she Never strengthened is. me yes. to learn. And she said, you know, she would share through other eyes, other perspectives of ways of looking at it. And I really, I looked forward to seeing her every, every Praise Sunday. God. It was awesome. It was Praise awesome. That, that's, that's what she does. For me, I was interviewing to work for the church. I was applying for the director of ministry position. My background had been in AME Zion, AME. I was coming to a Baptist church. But when you're in New Haven, going to Bridgeport is like applying for a passport. Oh, you know, God. people just don't go to Bridgeport. They're like, Bridgeport? You need a passport to go to Bridgeport. Wow. <laughs> and, and, wow. And, and, and Pastor Bennett, it was February. And he said, I want you to come see this production that we're having at the church. So he's trying to woo me. And uh, we go, we go downstairs and, and, and Bass Hall downstairs. Yeah. Yep. And it's yep. set up. And Lisa's doing Emergent Voices. And I am watching and I'm looking and the cast is all in black. They got the black caps on. They're doing the Black Panther movement. You know, something like this. They got the shirt on. Power. <laughs> and I don't even know this church. I'm new to the church and I'm sitting there. Hadn't even joined the church yet. Hadn't even accepted the job. All of a sudden they came out fist up black power i stood up in the midst of the production and said black power i, I said i want to join this church I said, remember that I said, how do i join this church i don't know where i am but i want to join this church mm -hmm. and it's because she did emerging voices and that black power movement i said i'm in if this is what this church is about i'm in and wow. that's how I met her. <laughs> and, and A so militant that. die. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Yes. And I could be that. I could be me. I could do that. One of my cousins says, you're the blackest person I know. And I go, okay. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, great for us to be able to have our faith Mm -hmm. our journey, our heritage, and to mm -hmm. be who we are. So I, I know our time is coming to a close. Uh, Reverend Anderson, <laughs> thank you. I know we thank can just you. talk a little bit more about, uh -huh. um, about trauma, generational trauma, yeah. and helping families. But we can say definitely, um, I go put the plug in, the production is coming out September 5th and 6th. Yes. Next week, Kathy and I will be able to announce where people can get their tickets from. Wonderful. And um, it's been a wonderful thing. I know that you are working with the cast and me. 
Um, uh, quickly before we end, there was a piece that I had to rewrite, Kathy. Um, yes, no. I had, yes, I had to rewrite it. And Lisa said, only you can do it. And I was home alone and I had to rewrite it. And it was then I understood when characters are reliving trauma, that mm. you go into a space that you've never been, that you just had to relive it. And I had to relive the night my son was murdered and the mm -hmm. feelings that I had. And my trauma specialist gave me some words and said, this is what you were thinking. This is what you were feeling. And if you want to convey it so that people can feel it and, and connect with it and be able to know how can they walk with a limp, she says, you have to rewrite it. And when I rewrote it and I gave it, I mean, I cried for two days. I checked mm -hmm. out because I was emotionally drained. And when I gave it to Reverend Anderson, she looked at it. She said, she said, this jacked you up, didn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> said, it did. It did. But I'm glad it was with her and it was safe with her. So we are coming to a close. We say thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. Next week, we have How Did I Get Here, Part 2. Um, and Lisa, you know, I was sitting in your office. We came up with these titles <laughs> for the podcast. Yeah. So How Did I Get Here, Part 2. Next week, our guest is going to be the Bishop Benjamin Watts from New Shiloh Baptist Church in New London. And he is, as we go through these podcasts, you know, they start off with hurt and pain and trauma and grief but there's always light at the end of the tunnel yes so how did i get here today how did i get here part two is look at god look at where we are so that is going to be our um not really our last podcast but it's the last one for the production so we say thank you everyone thank you reverend anderson Thank you. Um, thank you. And thank you. thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Good night. Good, Good night. night.